Welcome to the Women in Diplomacy podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Sumnick, and our guest for this episode is Katie Shea. She's legal counsel for business and human rights at Yahoo. Welcome, Katie. Thanks, Kelsey. I am so excited just to hear more about this really unique career. And it's great because you sit at the crossroads, I think, of, of two different sectors, kind of tech and diplomacy and, you know, more of the of the law and legal aspects of this. So let's start off with, can you just tell us what does it mean to be human rights legal counsel at Yahoo? My job at Yahoo is to help the business accomplish its goals while respecting human rights around the globe. And I'm primarily focused on privacy and free expression because those are the human rights that our business has the greatest impact on and also the greatest opportunity to promote around the world. Okay, that is huge. That sounds like a, you know, a very broad topic to tackle and we have a lot of work to do in this area too. Are there some huge challenges that you come up against in your work? What are they? How do you overcome them? The major challenge to doing human rights at a tech company is that we operate in so many areas and increasingly governments are trying to crack down on privacy and freedom of expression because governments are trying to restrict what people are able to say online and what they're able to communicate about online, how they're able to express themselves online. And they're doing that by turning to technology companies and saying, we don't like this content, take it down. Um, so that's a big challenge for us. And in some jurisdictions, we'll see governments actually block services or completely shut down the internet, go to those extreme, um, take those extreme measures to accomplish their goals of restricting what people are able to communicate about. Okay, so that's the big picture. But let's talk about every day, your life. What what does real life look like? What's a typical day in the office? Are you, do you find yourself running around coordinating or is it more work kind of sitting behind a desk in front of a computer? You know, every day is different and it's a little of both. I work with people all throughout the company and all over the world. So I spend a lot of time on video conferences and on phone calls with people learning more about what the business is planning to do, what some of the challenges are that the company is facing in different jurisdictions, um, and strategizing with my colleagues about how we can address those challenges in a way that's consistent with Yahoo's philosophy of putting our users first um, and promoting free expression and privacy where we operate. I also work a lot with civil society organizations, academics, investors, and others um, to understand more about what people on the ground are experiencing so that we can take account of that in our business decisions. So dynamic. I love it. Especially, you know, this is just out of the box from what you think of as a traditional law career, perhaps working in a firm. So you, you're a human rights lawyer and you studied at Georgetown Law. What made you go into working for tech instead of going that traditional path? I graduated from Georgetown Law and I wanted to have an impact. I like working on big picture issues, complex issues, and I was really passionate about human rights and the role that corporations play in promoting human rights around the world. 
Um, I went and worked for a nonprofit organization called the International Corporate Accountability Roundtable, where I got to do just that work on behalf of civil society to push for better regulations to incentivize companies to respect human rights. And then I saw the job at Yahoo and thought, that sounds like a really cool opportunity to actually put what I've been pushing for into practice and see what it's like at a company um, that is working really hard to have good human rights practices. Awesome. I hope that that sends a message to everyone listening that even though you might be encouraged to take one path, if you really do want to do something, you know, along some lines or focusing on a specific theme, that it is possible to kind of seek out, you know, different opportunities. Absolutely. And I actually think that it's to everyone's benefit to work on issues that they're passionate about from different perspectives. I'm really grateful that I've had the opportunity to work on these issues, both from a civil society perspective at the nonprofit where I worked and now at a corporation, because I think we're all more effective in our in our roles when we understand where the other person's coming from. And increasingly, I think in this space, at least, people are starting to understand that this is not an adversarial process. We all want human rights to be respected around the world. And we have there's a lot of common ground. And so to the extent that we can identify that common ground and work together to accomplish our goals together, we're all better off. And I think in today's climate, we need that more than ever. Agreed. One thing that diplomacy, the field of diplomacy is famous for is its bureaucracy and all of its rules and, you know, regulations and things might move slowly. And then the thing that the tech industry is famous for is, you know, that quote of move fast and break things. Done (laughs) is better than perfect. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on working at the crux of that, especially from your perspective as a tech actor? Do you ever see bureaucracy getting in the way of progress? I wouldn't say bureaucracy, but I totally identify with the challenge between, um, you know, taking a measured approach and keeping pace with innovation. And that's one of the challenges that we work with a lot in the business and human rights program at Yahoo. Um, One of the things that we do in our program is we do what's called a human rights impact assessment, where we work to understand and identify the different privacy and freedom of expression risks that are associated with a proposed policy or program or product launch, you name it. Um, And then to design strategies of how to mitigate those risks and remediate those risks. Um, As our business continues to grow and innovate, we're moving extremely fast. And that's true of our entire industry. And so we have been very intentional about identifying ways to do those human rights impact assessments in a way that keeps pace with that innovation, but continues to be meaningful and impactful. I want to ask you to define for us the global network initiative, because I think this is a great example of where the tech industry has come in to really help inform and uphold diplomacy. The Global Network Initiative is the multi-stakeholder initiative for human rights in the technology sector. When I say multi-stakeholder, I mean we have 
a very diverse group of stakeholders at the table. We have companies, both internet companies and telecommunications companies. We have human rights organizations, socially responsible investors, and academics who are all working um, at the intersection of human rights and technology and that are that are working to promote um, free expression and privacy. They have created a set of guiding principles and implementation guidelines that help companies navigate how to think about these issues at a company. And there's an accountability mechanism to make sure that companies are actually doing what they're saying that they're doing. I just love that because it, it's so needed. And it, to me, what that initiative sounds like is it's the most qualified actors, but also all of the actors involved just coming together, having genuine dialogue. So you've really done a great job at, at giving us the outline of what is going on in this field at the intersection of human rights and tech. Now I want to ask, where do we go from here? What do you think are the key untapped potentials of of tech for diplomacy that you wish people were working on at the moment? And this question is kind of directed for all of us that are grad students out there. Is there research we should be looking into and what sort of topics should we be on top of since we are, you know, the next generation in diplomacy? You know, I think there are so many issues that graduate students could be looking into regarding human rights and technology. Things like jurisdiction and what are what should the limits of jurisdiction be? Um, how should we approach cross-border requests for data? Um, these are getting into some legal questions, but I think it there are a number of ways that you could take research if you're interested in these areas. I think one thing that would be really interesting to look at um, and that we've dedicated some time to at Yahoo is how can we get more companies thinking about this at the earlier stages of their company? So how do we reach the, the younger companies, the leaner companies, and teach them about what they need to be taking account of with regard to free expression and privacy? These are the companies that aren't members of GNI that are just getting started. Um, what do they need to know? And how can they bake this in at the earliest stage? What major changes do you feel that the digital tech world has already achieved for foreign policy? And I'm asking this from the perspective of someone who might be critical and might not be supportive of, you know, all of the innovation that tech brings. Maybe they want to protect traditional diplomacy. What would you say to those critics? Why do we need tech to be involved in a field like human rights? So I think I think the major benefit of technology in the foreign policy, diplomacy, democracy space is that it it makes it easier for people to participate, to be informed and con to connect with one another. And I just think that is so important. And that's why we put such a huge emphasis on freedom of expression, both um, at Yahoo and in the Global Network Initiative. And to the critics, I would say. Uh, try living without it. I'd be really interested to learn what your life is like without technology. I think at this point, we're all very used to it. And it's interesting to see in the governments that are starting to crack down on things like encryption 
or that are shutting down the internet to restrict people's ability to connect with one another, we're seeing carve-outs for people at the highest levels of government where they're able to continue to use those technologies that they are prohibiting their own citizens from using. So I think everyone can agree this is necessary. It makes life better. Um, and we should continue to keep it around. So I want to hear more about you and your personal story. What made you go into human rights? And were there any early experiences that you have where you remember that you were interested in this field? How did you know that this was going to be a good fit? I went to law school because I wanted to be part of public policy conversations. And it sounds very silly um, and cliche, but I wanted to make the world a better place. And that continues to be something that I strive to do and that I think I will strive to do for my whole life. I like to work on big, complex issues that require creative solutions and that result in a better outcome for people. And so I found myself at Georgetown Law pursuing that. I did a number of internships, one at the Brady Center to Prevent Gun Violence, where I sued gun companies for illegally selling guns that were used in homicides. And I also worked at Earth Rights International, where I sued <laughs> major oil companies and Chiquita Banana for human rights violations in their operations. And, awesome. then I got, and then I worked at the International Corporate Accountability Roundtable, where I pushed for government policies to incentivize companies to have good human rights practices. And I think looking back on my experience in those early days of, you know, working at the Brady Center to prevent gun violence and Earth Rights International, I wasn't thinking about it at that time as a corporate accountability role or a career in corporate accountability that I was pursuing. But that's the, the theme that runs throughout all of my work. I was working on issues where there was a company that had a choice and they made a choice that violated someone's rights. And I am very pleased to now work at a company, Yahoo, that takes the issue seriously and is constantly thinking about how can we make a choice to build a product that respects privacy, that respects freedom of expression, and in some instances, even promotes those rights. Very cool. Go, Katie. <laughs> Thanks, Kelsey. So, yeah. What career advice would you give to young women out there who might be interested in following in your footsteps? I think if someone's interested in, in following a path like mine, I suppose I would recommend going to law school and going to law school somewhere where you can have experiences actually doing the work. Um, I don't think you have to have a law degree to do this work, but it certainly has opened a lot of doors for me. And in my current role, um, you know, I am in the legal department at a company and my title is legal counsel. So it seems important to have a law degree. But in in many of my other roles, especially at the International Corporate Accountability Roundtable, I think having a law degree was helpful, but not necessary. So that would be one thing to do. Um, and then networking and seeking out opportunities to get on the job experience and pursuing your interests just from the early stages. You don't have to wait to graduate to do this. Um, 
you can do internships and you can volunteer or you can write papers on issues that you're interested in and get to know people in the field. And um, I think those are all steps that would be really helpful in pursuing a career like this.